Hi everyone! Welcome to The 20s Project, a podcast where we, as HEC Paris students, gather people in their 20s and talk about their life stories. Hey, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Christina. Get ready to discover career growth, self-development, and the adventures of studying abroad. So we're really happy to be joined today with Maximilian and Mash. So thank you very much, guys, for joining us today. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Our pleasure. Um, so perhaps before we start diving into a broader topic, if you guys can quickly you know, introduce yourselves, where do you come from, and what are you currently doing at HEC? All right, so my name is Maximilian Mokyo. I've been living my whole life in Asia before I moved to Switzerland for my undergraduate program. Uh, it's EHR Hospitality Business School in Lausanne, and uh, now I'm currently enrolled in the MIF program, so Masters in International Finance at HEC Paris. So uh, my name is Mai Migler, I'm originally from Slovenia um, and I moved to Switzerland when I was 18 uh, to pursue the same school as Maximilian, so I was at DHL as well. Um, four years there, I spent uh, some time abroad for two internships, so I, I was in Hungary for six months and then um, in another part of Switzerland uh, for another six months. Um, and then I moved to Paris and I'm pursuing as well the Master in International Finance program here. So for people who don't really know what EHL is or what's the specialty from this school, because I know three of you, Christina and two of our guests today, all come from EHL. Do you guys uh, mind like quickly give us an introduction of what the school is about and what is it? Being I mean, it, it, it is the oldest hotel school in the world or hotel management, let's say, school in the world. Well, when it was founded, there was no such thing as hotel management. That's why, you know, we try to find some phrase how to describe it. But today it's more of a management school in Switzerland focused on the soft skills, on the interpersonal skills and like ability to connect with people, let's say, um, rather than some operational hotel school. Although there is still this mix if you if you do full four years, uh, then in the first year you would still be exposed to this operation side. I'm um, also doing an operational internship, but then afterwards for the three years of bachelors, uh, it would be really more similar to any other business school. Um, so that's why the school also renamed a few years ago. And so it's now called EHL Hospitality Business School. Um, rather before it was, it was called Ecole Atelier de Lausanne. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, exactly. Basically, it's just it's a hospitality school and hospitality is... Uh you know, much broader than just F&B and hotels. Uh, so in that sense, it's a really general and broad curriculum where you're touching upon like everything ranging from, uh, you know, just marketing to HR to cost accounting. So a little bit of everything. And so the question would be, you know, after EHL in this really broad and general curriculum, why did you decide to join HEC, you know, doing the Master in Finance? So to me, EHO was also a discovery. Uh, I discovered financial accounting. It was part of the courses there, as you were saying. And uh, I really got passionate about how finance can really impact the world we live in and how it describes each and every company in the world. And so that's why I got like interested into finance, diving more into uh, the financial markets, etc. And in the end, uh, I chose to join this program. So. Here I am. <laughs> um, for me, I think one part was the same as with Maximilian, so financial accounting. Um, I think it was one of the greatest courses at EHL. 
Uh, and then another one was Excel, so that's I, I really liked it. Uh, and then you know one of the industries that's where Excel comes more most useful is definitely finance. Um, so I started like exploring some options where you could like combine the number parts uh, and the Excel part, and let's say not going into IT. And then that's how I finished, like ended up in my first internship in in finance in Geneva. And when you realized that you were interested in finance in this uh, area, how did you come up with HEC Paris as a next step for your uh, either career or uh, your study? I mean, to me, HEC Paris has always been uh, the best business school because I'm French. <laughs> so that's probably part of the reason why HEC Paris in the first place. And basically, when you look at probably you did also look at the Financial Times ranking for uh Masters in Finance, uh, HEC stands number one for like 12 years. It was just before last year. So that's, for me, it was just a reasonable choice because I was French as well, so. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was the fact that it was a business school. So I knew definitely that I wanted to pursue a master's at the business school rather than like research university or um, let's say institution that's more focused on the research side. Um, and I, I think the program really combines well um, on one hand this academic side which is still like important so it's not a, let's say what I call a party school and on the other hand it, we really have uh, this exposure to the industry we have a lot of networking uh, we have a lot of uh, practical cases with group work um, so I think HSC is definitely one of the only um, two or three schools in, in Europe that are able to combine that on such level um, and then, of course, the reputation as well, uh, what, what Max mentioned, I think um, the reputation in the continental Europe, it just stands above, I think, the competition. Um, and hopefully that will continue in the future. <laughs> I do have a follow up question, though. Um, a lot of people would argue whether to pursue academic continuously after bachelor or you get, you get the professional experience after bachelor. Do you think in terms of finance? Uh, getting a master's degree really helps pivot your career or does it like how does it help you? What do you get from a master's degree in finance? I mean to me there's two aspects on that at the beginning uh, Certain jobs are very hard to get if you don't have a master's degree and uh, in the long run uh, if you want to have top leadership positions within the finance industry uh, having a master's is really useful and that's probably why uh, I chose in the first place to do a master and then finance. Um, so I completely agree with that. I would maybe add one more reason and that's for me that when I started working for the internship I said like yeah I really, I really don't want to go back to school right but then it was mid uh, midway the bachelor's so you kind of have to go and then I said so the master's either now or never because once I think you start working you, you have the salary you have all the mm -hmm. other benefits I think it's really hard then to decide after two years of, of being kind of well paid as a finance jobs, let's say, are, especially in Switzerland, um, to then drop out of everything and say, okay, I'm going now for master's. Since when you come back after two years of experience, this change in position, it's not going to be as dramatic as doing master's right afterwards. And then you, you're basically able to get a position that uh, is out of your scope of, of the bachelor's range, let's say. Mm. Uh, just also to quickly understand your background a bit better, can you just let us know a little bit more about your professional experiences, like in terms of internships, what type of industries and departments you worked in? So I start off uh, with my first internship. My first internship was part of uh, EHL's program. My is going to have 
a very similar answer. Uh, it was operational, so I was in the kitchen of Royal Savoie. It's an hotel in the center, city center of Lausanne. And for my second internship, I did it in a watchmaking company uh, in a small town in Switzerland called La Chaux-de-Fonds. And there um, I did data analytics. Uh, so all around Excel, Power BI, and data visualization tool uh, to basically uh, put the KPIs forward to, to, to the upper management. So yeah, I also the two internships, it's the kind of a part of VHL curriculum. Um, and so first, uh, for the first internship, I was in Budapest, uh, worked as hospitality management trainee for Ritz-Carlton. Uh, and then the second one uh, in Geneva, I was at, uh, at one of the private banks there. And I was on the finance projects team, so it was very diverse, uh, I would say, the work, a lot of different projects. Um, and uh, then I also had this chance, yeah, after EHL, like the last step at EHL is this project, let's say, the student project. Um, so I also had a chance to, to work like on the portfolio management side a bit. So we were working on the optimization of a portfolio company. Um, and that's like another, I think, valuable experience in, in my, on my career path so far. No, absolutely. And so, of course, now considering your background and everything that you also put in place to now be, you know, within HEC, do you yourself, before, of course, we get your insights on finance, do you have any uh, tips for people who would be interested in joining the Master in Finance program? Like any application tips, things that you would recommend doing, questions that they would need to ask themselves? There's a bunch to say. I mean, I have one that I think it's really useful that would be do summer internships and that's maybe something that I personally see that I could have done better um, and I would say it's it really it's really valuable when it comes to applying especially if you're uh, want to go for full-on finance and apply to London which is like the most competitive uh, place right it's, there's a lot of job but also the competition is, is insane uh, and I think that's where you really see the value of, of, of doing summer internships before and I think some people are afraid of, let's say, wanting to go at, let's say, investment banking or private equity. And they say, okay, I don't see a value in doing a, a summer internship in, in auditing or in, in wealth management. But I would say completely the opposite from what I know today. I think that's, that helps even if it's in totally unrelated field, let's say. So not even in anything related to investment side, but if it's something within finance, I think it's really helpful. Do you think that experience is required and necessary in order to, you know, truly benefit from the program that you, you guys are currently enrolled yeah. in? I would say that having an experience in finance is almost mandatory to joining Masters in International of Finance in HEC Paris. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that actually don't have a real experience in finance, either in wealth management or the investment side mm -hmm. uh, that are currently enrolled in the program. Hmm. Oh, so speaking of competitiveness and competitions in this industry, how do you stay motivated in terms of like, how do you keep your goal always still on this path and how do you keep yourself always better and improving I mean, yourself? You need to find something that truly motivates you. Mm -hmm. You will not be able to uh, go for the long term and just sustain this constant pressure if it's not in your inner self. So to me, Finance is having an impact on the world positively, uh, either through environmental uh, measures or social, um, social, social initiatives. So 
in doing that, uh, in doing finance, I believe that I can improve the world. And this is some greater sense of myself uh, that I see in finance. So I, I believe if you find your true motto, let's say, uh, you will be able, of course, uh, to, to stay motivated uh, over the long run to, to join the finance. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty similar, let's say. Uh, I see it more as, as some achievements, say, on the, on the let's say, advisory side. That's kind of the way that I, where I'm going for the moment. Um, so on the, on, on more particularly the M&A advisory, I see more it as like helping companies making right decision, um, you know, optimizing some deals, let's say, and that's something that I've been kind of um, dreaming about since a uh, very young age, right? And maybe I didn't imagine it uh, at that time, like going into M&A, because probably at the age of six or seven, you don't really know what it is. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of a, this natural, natural path that has been going on since then. Do you think it's fairly easy for people who want to work in finance to differentiate themselves from other applicants or other people within the industry? So you mentioned impact, but of course I can also imagine that now our generation is, you know, quite focused on, you know, having an impact. Is there any way that yourself, you're trying to differentiate yourself from the rest? I think through associations, through your student initiatives, you can really differentiate yourself and make yourself unique because of course people applying to this master will have uh, summer internships probably uh, professional experience so in a way if you really want to differentiate yourself and make your profile unique you need uh, to be involved in student uh, activities uh, at, whether it's in your bachelor's or even high school just to show that you're really motivated towards finance but let's say like tomorrow so you you guys are done with the master in finance and you want to apply to you know bigger corporations uh, banks what do you think you would personally use in order to differentiate yourselves from other candidates? Um, so there are a few options, definitely, right? So one, obviously, is our bachelor's uh, kind of orientation, um, which comes very handy applying, let's say, for all kinds of real estate jobs, uh, where you can really leverage on that. Um, and for sure, for any kind of job where you have um, this people's interaction from day one, which is, let's say, wealth management, um, so it's, it comes very strong in, in those areas. Um, and then I agree on the other hand, that's, that's why it's so much more important to have some industry inside, let's say an investment industry, where it's, it's really neither of those, right? So I, I think something that's really good that maybe I think it's, it's something that everyone can do is focus maybe on one thing within the industry. Uh, when, so when you start working, really try to develop some niche knowledge. Um, and that's really after two or three years that could come very handy right because at the beginning they anyways want you to start as generalist at least in the investment industry so usually you would have to start as generalist mm -hmm. and then if you can acquire this specific niche knowledge within three to five years i think that's that's where it comes really useful i think i totally agree with you uh, in aligning uh, your first your passions and your bachelor's and master's but I would agree even more if uh, the soft skills part you s you told us about at the very beginning of the podcast. In EHR, you learn about people, you learn to analyze their reaction. And I think that hospitality is the best industry to basically understand what people think. And trying to leverage that uh, when you're comparing yourself with candidates that only did like big universities without very 
strong relationships without uh, analytics of the human personality. I think this is a real differentiator as well. Having those kinds of soft skills, uh, you can really leverage on that. So we mentioned like soft skills, but on the other hand, also as in hard skills, I believe there are a lot of diplomas, certificates in finance. Is it necessary to really get like certificates like CFA or other things in your industry in order to get a job or in order to like win the market in your point of view? Um, so let's say I think if you decide to do it and let's say if we call this CFA one of the um, more known or more well-known one, I think you should do it for the right reason which is not because it's fashionable and I think a lot of people nowadays are doing it just because it's kind of fashionable and they you know you, you sign up and you do it um, I think especially at our EDHL in particular that's kind of a case you know where you, you haven't really done any internships in finance you don't really know how it looks like um, you don't even know if you really like it um, at the end of the day right it's a it's a huge investment and if you just do it because you know you, you're signing up because your friend does uh, I, I think it's not the right reason I think first you should definitely get experience um, that's why I'm also was emphasizing on the summer internships because you can do summer internships in your second third year of bachelor's already right um, so that's kind of where you can really prove that you you have this passion but you also can do it and then afterwards if you if you let's say it's it's really desirable for people in the industry to have the certification and in, in the case of CFA I think that would be clearly like let's say portfolio management wealth management it's some it's an industry where it can come very handy I, I think then it's really good reason to do it yeah for me it's just an added value but not the value itself the certificate mm -hmm. okay. so we talked a lot about like what it takes to really get into the industry from your experience, you know, um, working a little bit in finance, but also now that you're currently in a master in international finance at HEC, what would you say are the first motivators for people to join finance from your experience? Because I guess from, from also like, perhaps it's really stereotypical, but we would think that people would want to join finance because, oh, you know, it's good money, you know, hard work, but eventually, you know, you'll have a, you, well you'll paid. make a comfortable living. Exactly. It's going to be well paid. And also, let's not lie, like it's pretty prestigious also to work in finance. It's pretty well recognized. So would you say those are or could be the strongest motivators for people also our age or is there something else to it? I think money and prestige is one of the biggest motivators for sure uh, for most of people. You could see that from our program directly or for people wanting to break into finance. But I think uh, some people have very specific reasons. For me, it was having a certain impact on the world, understanding how business work uh, in itself. And I believe that you need to make your own reasons. But of course, there are some common reasons like every any other industries. If you think about just like pharmaceutical industry is like saving lives. Of course, it's a reason for everybody. But maybe you have an uncle that was actually working in the pharma and he taught you about the basics of pharmaceutical thingy. So. It really depends, I think, but most, like, I think the main reason would be prestige, recognition and money. I mean, I, I completely agree. I would say, let's say, 
um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have to pick something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, unless you win lottery, you, you, you <laughs> have to pick something. And, and, and that's what I, uh, so I didn't go, let's say, and you too as well, we didn't go directly into finance, right? We went, my first love were, were hotels and I still see that as a long-term goal. Um, I've, I just figure out on a way that not from the operational point of view, uh, but from the investment point of view, that's definitely my long-term goal. And I, I just thought, uh, let's let's say going through finance is the most probable, um, you know, I'm optimizing my chances to make it happen one day. And just so like to quickly follow up. So, you know, we talked about recognition and prestige as well. Um, from, from your own point of view, we'd be interested to understand also, I feel like people are willing to sacrifice a lot for prestige, recognition, money. Do you also feel this way? Do you think it's worth it perhaps, uh, you know, if you evolve in the financial industry to sacrifice a bit of per perhaps your own personal life to achieve, you know, this prestige recognition and, and the comfortable living or not, not necessarily? Well, I, I mean, if I think if you're doing it for prestige and money, you're in wrong industry. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, the, the annual salary in London, if we are taking like a classic job, classic MIF job would be, let's say, either investment banking or, or asset management in London. And, and yeah, I mean, the figure sounds sounds great and, and, you know, amazing. But if you probably if you do a breakdown by yeah. your hourly pay, uh, since you're working in your first mm -hmm. years, uh, let's say, 12 to 14 hours a day and six days a week. So probably if you do a breakdown by the hours, it's not that amazing anymore, actually. So I, I think you have to like it and you have to see some future goals, you know, and you have to really um, have this strong motivation to move um, across that those those really points uh, on your map to really reach that goal at the end. If you're just doing it for prestige, uh, I, th I think the industry you mentioned before, or let's say pharma or medical, I, I think in, in the first years of your career, you can make more money for, for less hours. So we talked about motivation and now we're also pretty curious about um, when you see the alumni in finance or when you see successful people in this industry, what are some common traits, personalities or characteristics that these people have in finance? Um, I would say for sure that in, in working in, in finance on the investment side, um, you definitely have to be tough, right? Um, so it, it's, it's going to be very hard in the first few years. And then if you can manage to pass that point, uh, then you can really start building this leadership positions. You can start, you know, being qualified for this leadership positions in finance. Um, and then I, I, I think also, let's say, um, being on point and um, on the deals, um, you know, having this, you know, being able to argue with data, I think it's, let's say something very specific um, that I've, uh, that I've noticed maybe. Um, but then also I've, I've seen that a lot of them have quite interesting um, personal life as well in terms of, of hobbies and uh, um, activities they want to do since you have quite a little bit of um, of your personal time right so you want to really uh, use it well um, so I, I think it kind of comes um, in, in this way that you are very successful in finance if you are very successful in your professional um, career then you also have a hobby where you're pretty successful I would say um, and that's let's say some something that I've noticed yeah I agree you need to be a well-rounded profile you shouldn't stop uh, learning at one point because if you really want to touch on like the leadership positions, 
you really want to be aware of what's happening in the world not only on your specific market but also in the world in general and so you'll have to of course have some numerical analysis you need to be very comfortable with numbers this is for sure but then you need to go behind the numbers and understand what they really mean mm -hmm. what is behind this number and what does this imply on my business and if you do understand behind it i, I think most of uh, people that do actually understand what's happening behind every business they they, they end up to being su successful so and in terms of like curiosity, like you mentioned that, you know, how like the thing is, we should always remain curious, never stop learning. How how do you think we should be cultivating the specific character trait? Like, is there any way that we can improve on that? I mean, being aware of what's happening in the world and probably how people behave. But uh, of course, in finance, you won't stop learning if you're really willing to do so because uh, there's like so many fields, uh, some subparts of finance you can still learn from. And as finance is evolving very quickly with the new trends like AI and uh, everything that's happening currently in the world, it's pretty easy if you want to be uh, up to date on, on basically what's happening in the world of finance. And you have now the research to do so thanks to internet. So. I, I would use here an example given by our previous academic director, Mr. Bossar. And I remember he said during one of those um, kind of open day presentations, um, you know, you start by picking three stocks and, uh, you know, keep be informed every day about the price movements and try to understand those price movements. And it sounds quite like an easy task, for, let's say, right? But it, it gives you, let's say, first insight if you really try to do this well and follow every all most of the news let's say um about these three companies i think it you can really start uh, it's like a first step in into being um you know knowledgeable or one day hopefully being knowledgeable about that um and then of course following on on max uh, answer i would say let's say for sure reading um the relevant financial newspapers um that really um helps you understand what's going on and then of course you know we learn from experience so when you see something once um you maybe next time when you see the same thing happening you will already better understand what's going on um so i, I would say that's really important okay. and i think it's you know it's really interesting because you mentioned ai and the and different tools and of course now there are more and more programs tools that enable people individuals in general to anticipate you know like everything that would be happening on the stock markets have you know greater access to resources when it comes to you know making more informed and better financial decisions um do you like have you at any point thought oh the job that i would actually have to, like to have at the end of the master is probably going to get compromised because eventually there are some tools ai or you know any other tool that would enable people to do it without having me part of this equation on that, I have a teacher uh, similarly to, that said that f uh, in five years, 50% uh, of the job still doesn't exist. So by the time you're actually learning, uh, the, there's a 50% chance that your job, what you will be doing is actually not existing or is different. So you mentioned trading, for instance, of course, uh, traders should be scared in uh, machines and those uh, those kinds of new tools but i think it's just 
evolving, it's not replacing because you need people to understand those new tools to uh, put them into place. And every time, every year it will be evolving. So I believe that uh, AI or those new tools are not uh, the, doesn't mean the end for the finance industry, but more a new beginning or something new coming up uh, towards the finance industry. So I would say my educated guess would be that the some some areas in finance will definitely struggle more than more than others. Let's say auditing, accounting, and trading would be some clear examples where in I'm let's say I'm a bit skeptical about five years, but let's say in ten years, uh, we could really have this automized and uh, and yeah the AI could take up to fifty percent of jobs maybe. Uh, whereas on the on the advisory side, I think we are ages, and hopefully it will never really happen, unless you want to be advised by a by a machine and and pay a lot of money for that. Um, I I think on the advisory side, the jobs are much safer. Um, so of of course we will be using the AI more and more, and uh, something that let's say we can replace is also um, the administration part, right? Mm -hmm. Every job has let's say between ten and even 50% of admin. Um, so let's say making PowerPoints, uh, writing reports, just writing a, a, a meeting uh, minutes, right? Uh, that can take half an hour, an hour. Uh, and in the IB, the, you know, one day of an investment banker, if you can cut an hour or two hours, it's major uh, breakthrough, right? So I would say on that side, for sure, we'll see some development, but uh, I'm pretty, I, I, my educated guess would be that in five years, I'm pretty sure that will a lot of jobs will still be there, hopefully. Yeah, especially I do agree on the advisory side. We had this same questioning uh, in the hospitality industry. Will AI take uh, the, the jobs? And probably not where you require a human touch, a human uh, interaction. People will still be willing to be uh, welcomed by a receptionist, a receptionist when they come in an hotel. So... I guess it really depends on the jobs uh, and I would agree on that. Yeah, I, th I think I would agree as well when it comes to like, the human touch. I don't think it's something that will be easily replaced. Um, but of course, as you also said, um, about 50% of jobs will be appearing in the next couple of years. So how can people, especially in the finance sector, still remain agile? be willing to you know develop new skill sets and to adapt well to these new jobs that we don't even know about today yeah difficult question maybe we should ask ChatGPT. <laughs> uh but uh trying to understand you know this the new jobs i think um there are threats but whenever there are threats there are opportunities so i would say definitely uh look for opportunities in the entrepreneurial on the entrepreneurial side uh, i think ai um can offer a lot but uh, there will be some always some um, space, I think, for, let's say, startups doing the applications of some AI. Um, so let's say if you're an, an auditor, which in my opinion is one of the first industry that's going to go, um, you, you could, let's say, be looking in the how would it be able to adapt an AI for to be used in auditing? Um, since, of course, you know, when it comes to such important tasks as, as let's say, auditing, it's going to take a lot of testing. So let's say, even if you start to develop this today, there will be at least a few years of testing before it can be even used anytime in real life. 
Um, on the other hand, I, I think um, it always depends a bit on luck, right? So you, you, you just have to try to uh, place yourself uh, in a position where you have good exit opportunities. Uh, and that's where you have to be a bit lucky as well. Um, I would say anywhere where you can um, understand the, the what's going on behind. So in the, in the business side of the company, you always can make the switch, maybe from um, the finance side to the corporate office um, and work, let's say, on the cost optimization, on the business optimization, which are kind of the areas I think that, you know, an AI cannot decide whether we are going to cut uh, some cost in the, in the company. Um, and let's say I think those are more sustainable positions that will uh, not disappear in the near future. Okay, so perhaps not putting all your eggs into one basket, exactly. <laughs> but remaining curious and yeah. being open to other other and positions, I guess. Networking. And networking, <laughs> that's uh, a good so one. So I think what, what we've been told as well is, yeah, you get your first job by applying, uh, and that's the only job you get by applying. You, you get second, third, fourth, and any other job you'll get by you know, getting to know someone who might need someone with your skill set. Uh, so I think it's important to to go to these events, uh, let's say an alumni events from the schools, great place um, to to have good friends among your classmates since you are gonna you're going in the same industry, right? Um, so and sooner or later, some of your classmates will will maybe even before you are will be in the in the management positions. So they will be looking always to fill in some spots in the teams. Um, so I would say, yeah, stay open, um, you know, connect to, to people and have this genuine interest. You know, what I really hate, let's say personally, is, is like really doing this cold calls or calling like 400 people, not really being interested, sending like this generic email, um, just, you know, doing the cold call so you can name drop on your application. Um, I think it really shows and your success rate uh, from what I've seen is it's much lower that if you're genuinely interested into this industry in a company in a person. Um, so I think if someone inspires you, let's say, definitely reach out. Uh, and probably even from your message, they will be able to see and, and your response rate will be much, much higher. Um, and of course, if, if you are just doing it for, for the name dropping, I think there is like not much effect. And also uh, considering, you know, um, how busy these people are and with your generic email, the, the hit rate will be probably very, very low. Are people generally willing to help whenever you reach out? Uh, usually when you contact alumni of your previous school, so I used to contact some alumni of uh, my bachelor uh, and some alumni of HEC Paris Masters in International Finance, and usually they're pretty responsive. I would say that my hit rate was about 80%. Oh, that's very that's high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, if you contact people without having real connections uh, on LinkedIn, uh, with whom you have only two or three shared connection. They didn't attend the same school. Uh, you actually never lived in the same country or in the same the same region. Probably they're not going to answer. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about finance, how it affects your professional, but do you think it also affects your own personal life? Let's say, for example, how you invest your own um, personal savings, etc. Like, how does it help you? aside from your career yeah of course or even like mindset wise it doesn't have to be like tangible wealth yeah I, I think maybe one good point on that i think mindset wise you feel very well let's say very stupid when you when you don't invest in something 
uh, and then it goes, it, it turns out to be a great investment. You feel like, oh, you know, I'm from the finance industry. I should have known that. <laughs> Uh, so it can be, I think, frustrating sometime. Um, but of course, you know, I, I think, first of all, there are so many areas. We are very few people are going for, for this um, trading side, especially like from our master. It's not really kind of the, one of the main orientations. Um, then if you're looking broader, like the, the market side, um, of course, there is more people. Uh, but still, we are not specialists for, for something yet. So I, I think sometimes you have this bias of just feeling kind of responsible, uh, you know, should have predicted something in financial markets. Uh, but then aside from that, I think from the, for the personal point of view, there are definitely some sacrifices that you need to take if you decide to pursue career in finance. Let's say one of those would be most likely moving to London, since most of the, of, of the beginning jobs um, or the graduate jobs are in London. Um, and I've, I think uh, what was last year's statistic, I think was like 80% or 75% of, of MIF graduates going to London. Um, and if you are not a big fan of that, it can be, let's say, one sacrifice that's, that can be pretty difficult to take. Mm -hmm. um, however, I, I mean, I, I see now this year, let's say there is great interest for Dubai. There is great interest for Zurich. So uh, I think, and, you know, it's kind of moving, but it's it's more difficult, definitely much, much more difficult to say, okay, I want to go to Dubai, I'm going to find a job there. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard, you know, especially for the first graduate job. Um, so yeah, you have to be ready to take some, some sacrifices. Also, let's say if you're going, if you're very careeristic and you really put career in front of your personal life, I think you will be moving a lot. So you have to acknowledge that and be ready. Um, so let's say, you, you know, most of people, they say the Finnish university and um, giving an example, let's say in, in Lyon, uh, you say, okay, I'm going to put my personal life first. I'm going to uh, get a real job here, um, start saving for a flat. You know, I'm not going to move next year to, um, to to Istanbul just because I have a great job opportunity coming there. Uh, I, I think if you, let's say, decide to pursue um, this, this path of uh, and you're investing so much time and effort, I think you have to know also that you will have to be ready uh, to sacrifice a lot of personal comfort in future. On the personal side, I think finance has helped me a lot uh, recently because I think most people when they invest into stocks, let's say common stocks, the S&P 500, uh, which is the US composite of 500 stocks, um, they just invest in blindly. And uh, usually what they do is like they invest 60% in stock, 40% in bonds, and they just leave it like that uh, without really knowing what they're actually doing. And even though I wasn't interested in sales and trading, I remember a class when the teacher said, you're young, you need to invest most of your money into stocks because over the long run, stocks will always outperform bonds and it would be even less risky than bonds over a 20 plus time horizon. So I do believe that finance, uh, apart from uh, bringing me some insights about companies because I want to be into corporates has like the courses in HEC Paris has shaped how I will be investing uh, in the future uh, the money I earn and I save. And that's super interesting because I also feel like at, at, personally at our age it's really difficult because we're like the way that we're dealing with finance especially if you're not really aware of you know what you should do and how you should invest so 
it's actually really interesting yeah. to see that it really helps and that you guys have been able to Manager. get some insights mm-hmm. and actually yeah, implement things. I personally would, would want to have these skills yeah. to be <laughs> able to manage my wealth and, I mean, not wealth, I mean, but we, manage my savings. We had some finance know. classes, but I don't think they were <laughs> no. too deep into the no. topic. Yeah, I think the first step is like getting like an overview about the mm-hmm. finance and then understanding that debt is not necessarily mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. because most people when they don't know anything about finance they're like oh no i don't want to get into debt but of mm-hmm. course you do mm-hmm. of course you do if you don't like you're losing so much uh gains that you could possibly actually do and then you will move on to stocks understanding how to invest how to build a well diversified portfolio how what what are the different percentages you want to allocate to each uh, cryptocurrency, stocks, even though we're not talking about uh, a lot about cryptocurrencies, it's still an asset class that is increasingly uh, popular among the used people. So yeah, I completely online and if I could teach you a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> I think maybe like one interesting point about that is also your background, let's say from what country or even what continent you're coming from. Um, and I would say in, in, in Europe, there is really no, uh, the infor- like young people are not as informed about finance because you usually have this mutual pension funds that you just, they, they take 20% of your salary and they say, okay, we'll give it back in 40 years, but they, you don't have to decide on anything, you know, they, they kind of blindly promise, like they accept their promise, but you don't really have to uh, make your own allocation or, or anything. Whereas in the US, they, they, you will be on your own, right? Mm-hmm. So you are kind of forced to, to get to study a bit more into that. Even if you are a teacher, even if you are uh, an industry worker, um, it, you are forced into into being into having to do some research um, and being more informed about finance because you are on your own. If you you know your pension, it's it's if you screw it up, you you'll have a very hard time. Um, so I, I think that's what's where the culture really comes into effect as well. So we we talked about a lot of things, but of course for some younger people, so people our age. Uh, so Jacqueline and I are currently in a master in management. So next year. It's either going to be gap year or specialization. So for people who are now thinking about getting into finance, are there any questions that they should be asking themselves to be totally sure that this is what they would like to go for? Yeah, I think talk to people. This would be my best advice. Talk to people, learn about what they're actually doing, uh, what is what are the, their daily tasks, because uh, it's easy to say, oh, I'm interested into that. But in reality, how do you know at 16 years old, you actually want to break into private equity? Nobody does. I didn't even know this industry actually existed at 16 <laughs> years old. So you, you need to talk to people, understand what they're doing, uh, their work-life balance, really important, how you prioritize uh, your, uh, the different values of your life. So either family, either your job, the prestige, etc. So either, the, the most important part is to understand what you want before even thinking about is finance good for me because there's there are a lot there can be a lot of red flags in finance mm-hmm. like the work-life balance if you want to be an investment banker doing mergers and acquisition just be aware that sometimes you can work to 90 hours per week <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's a lot including saturday so you just have to th- sacrifice your your life and your friends so mm-hmm. 
just be sure before saying I want to do exactly this that you can actually sustain a lifestyle in doing so. Um, I, I think, yeah, I completely agree. I would say here if, if we use one, one common financial or, or the basic rule of finance, you know, like the bigger the risk, the bigger the possible reward. So if you decide to work in finance, it's going to be a lot of work. Let's say if we kind of apply this to the risk perspective, it's going to be uh, what I said before, right? You're going to be moving around. You're going to be unsure working on one year contracts for a few years. Uh, you're not going to even know where, where do you end up in, in four months. Sometimes it's going to be, uh, you know, very hard, but the potential reward uh, at the age of, let's say, 35 or 40, it's, it's huge. So I think you have to be a bit of a gambler as well to or have this bit of a gambling mindset. Um, and, and yeah, otherwise I completely agree with, with Max's point. Okay. Perfect. But thank you so, so much. It has been a you know, great pleasure and also really insightful mm -hmm. session because very I think much. we learned a lot yeah. about you guys, but also about finance. <laughs> Super interesting. Because I always felt like finance is a very mysterious yes, area. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it's so hard to get into with all the terminologies and everything, but super interesting. Uh, I, I think... think yeah, if okay. I made it, like, you can make it. <laughs> I think that's what we feel about doctors, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but definitely this episode would definitely help a lot of people who want to get into finance or is already in finance but wants to go a step further. Exactly. So, At least so they know what they're getting themselves into. So yeah. thank you but so thank much. Thank you so, so much. It has been a great pleasure having you on board. Thank you. Thank and you for inviting if us. Your, if your audience wants, like, a personalized advice or they are <laughs> sometimes unsure on, on whether the HC is right choice, Choice or myth is right choice so i i think you as well I, they can contact through linkedin, uh, through LinkedIn uh, reach out to email we have this hc email uh, linkedin so feel free to reach out perfect oh that's very sweet thank you so much thank you we hope you like this episode don't forget to follow and give us a rating on apple Podcasts or spotify also we always love to hear from you so don't hesitate to dm us on our instagram the 20s project